I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me for our scripture reading to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26. I'll be reading verse 1 to verse 12. If you are using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 649. Let us now hear God's word. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not alight. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. As far as the reading of God's word, made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our sermon text this morning will be verse 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. I've said in the past that there are several passages of Scripture that I wanted to get to before I get back to Exodus. This is one among many that I wanted to consider for a sermon for many years now, actually, in ministry. God, in no uncertain terms, lets us know who the fool is, doesn't he? Really grabs your attention. God, in no uncertain terms, describes the fool in ways that actually makes our stomach turn. <laughs> in fact, the Proverbs are like that. They grab our attention. Taking abstract teachings, and making them concrete so that you feel it. When you think about it, as a dog returns to his vomit, doesn't that grab your attention? Doesn't it make your stomach a little bit queasy? Doesn't it take you back to when you've actually seen that happen? Many of you may be getting the gag reflex right now. <laughs> God describes the fool. He's not name-calling. It's not name-calling. So what is the fool? Who is the fool? 
and especially as I consider a sermon like this for myself, one, did it grab, does it grab my attention what God is saying here? Secondly, I need to ask myself the question, am I the fool here? Am I the fool? Is that me? What folly do I repeat over and over and over again? These are some just introductory questions that I'm, I consider for myself as I approach a passage of Scripture like that. And I would like you to consider some of those questions too because the beginning of this sermon is going to sound like I'm talking in the third person all the time, whether singular or plural, oh, he or they, disregarding myself in the equation here. Oh, I, I certainly couldn't be the fool. Really? What is the fool here? Before we get to that simile, like a dog that returns to his vomit, we need to know what a fool is. We need to know the characteristics of the fool. You see, the book of Proverbs is a very good place to start when we want to understand who the fool is and what the fool is. And we're talking about what the fool is. What are his characteristics? What makes him a fool? And so we start with the book of Proverbs if we want a description of the wise person and the foolish person. And so the characteristics of the fool, I want to divide into two parts. The first part is the fool's heart or mind, and the second part is the fool's behavior. These characteristics of the fool, his heart and his behavior, cannot be separated. They are two parts, but they are together because the latter, the, the behavior, stems from where? The former, the mind or heart. You do what you do because it comes from where? The heart or mind. And the Bible, particularly the Proverbs, have a lot to say about the fool's heart or the fool's mind. For instance, the fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. Psalms 53, Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And therefore, there is no fear of God, no reverence for God in the heart of a fool. But we're not only speaking about somebody who does not believe in God, like an atheist, but we're also talking about anti-theists, those who hate God and choose to dethrone God and enthrone themselves and pursue their own wisdom, pursue the world's wisdom and desires and passions. And so the fool's heart is one that is characterized by one that says there is no God or there is a God and I hate him and I want nothing to do with him. 
and I'm going to go on living my life the way I want to live. And there are people, and even, yes, within Christianity, that though they don't intentionally say that, they live that way. And we'll get to the behavior in a moment. And so first and foremost, the characteristic of a fool's heart is that they don't fear God. For after all, the Proverbs say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Wisdom. For the fool, he is wise in his own eyes and has set himself up as God. In verse 12, we see there, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. This is a fool of fools. He's the chief of fools. But another characteristic of a fool in his heart, his mind, is that he hates the knowledge of God. He hates any righteousness of God. God reveals himself in creation You look at the created order, and creation declares the glory of God. The the, the creation teaches that God has spoken it into existence. The sun, moon, and stars put in its place declares that God exists and that he is all-powerful, all-wise. And the fool looks at it and says, nah, I don't think so. These are the evolutionists, the prideful scientists, the secularists, or just plain people who do not see or want to believe or submit to God's righteousness, his his righteousness. In fact, Paul will say that they exchange the truth for what? A lie. They submit the truth and unrighteousness for a lie, worshiping and serving the creation rather than the what? Creator. So then one of the characteristics of the fool is the corruption of his heart and mind. Internally. Internally, he follows his own passions, his own desires, his own lusts of the flesh. That he disregards God's law and God's righteousness. Another characteristic of the fool is the fool's behavior. Outward actions in word and deed. And this stems where? From the heart. As the Lord Jesus says, from out of the heart comes what? Sexual immorality, lust, gossip, lying, cheating, hatred, anger, malice. That all stems from where? The heart and mind. So the fool's behavior in the Proverbs, listen carefully to how the Proverbs describes the fool's behavior. The fool, Proverbs say, 15 uh, 15 verse 14, the fool feeds on folly. Literally the word there is graze. The, The fool grazes on folly. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feeds on folly. He grazes, he pastures on folly. 
And to use the comparison provided in our sermon text, the fool feeds on his own vomit. That is, he loves to eat his own sin. He loves to eat his own sin. And so the fool's behavior, one, is that the fool feeds on his folly, but he also delights in mischief and wrongdoing. Proverbs 10, verse 23 says that wrongdoing is something that the fool delights in. And literally in that text, Proverbs 10, verse 23, it says, the fool delights in it and he makes it a sport. It's like a sport to a fool to delight in wrongdoing. It's a joy to him. It satisfies him. And not only that, not only is it something he feeds on and delights in, it's like a sport to him, but he delights in it and he speaks it. He spews it out. He spews out that vomit affecting everyone around him. For the Proverbs say, the heart of fools proclaims folly, evil. It pours out folly like a faucet. Gossip, lies, angry outbursts, malice, hatred toward your fellow man. The fool's behavior, the fool's behavior is one that feeds on folly, speaks folly, delights in folly, proclaims folly, and he has no regard for God and his word. Remember Jesus told a parable to a rich young man, and it's often known as the rich young fool. And he told a parable to this rich young fool. He said, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, shall I, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be, and be merry. His heart was poisoned with idolatry, with treasures and materialism. His mouth made big and great grand boasts in what he was going to do with that. And I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And what does Jesus say to him? You fool. You fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The consequences of someone who continues on in folly are great. But the fool repeats his folly. He repeats his folly. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. That is, he does it again and again and again, and again. 
over and over and over again. That's what that word returns or repeats means, right? To do something over and over again. Notice how it's different than returns. And as a dog returns to his vomit, so a, man, a fool, a man who is foolish, repeats his folly. He runs to his folly again and again. He is essentially an idolater. That's what it is to run over and over and over again to the same folly of sin. It's idolatry. We are all idol worshipers. Perhaps not behaviorally for some, but as Calvin says, our minds are a factory of idols doing it over and over and over again, thinking foolish thoughts. The fool is an idolater who repeats his idol worship of materialism or rationalism or drug addiction or alcoholism or rage or anger. You name it. You name it. You name the sin. Sexual sin, pornography, as they preached on a few weeks ago. He repeats his anger and malice and bitterness over and over again because his mind, his heart, has not been trained by God's wisdom and God's knowledge because he has a disregard for it. He doesn't have his mind trained by God's wisdom and knowledge and therefore their hearts are not disciplined and discerning. Essentially, the characteristic of the fool is one who is morally corrupt, inwardly and expressed outwardly. And now we come to the simile. Because we just looked at the characteristics of the fool, now we get to the simile. Like a dog that returns or turns back to his vomit is a fool who repeats or does again his folly. This is the nature of the fool. The nature of the fool it's his natural inclination to run to sin over and over again. And by nature, we refer to the fool's natural inclination. A creature of habit. It becomes second nature for the person to go back over and over again. Have you ever looked at sin in your own life and keep asking yourself the question, why do I keep doing this? It feels so natural. Why do I keep feeling this animosity towards this person? Why do I keep running to this addiction? Why do I keep doing this? Why? It feels like I'm a creature of habit. It's second nature. Instead of focusing my mind and heart on Christ, I'm immediately focused on the sin and evil and lust. The fool is a repeat offender, essentially. Such a person persists in his folly no matter how many times he's warned and no, many how, no matter how many times he experiences the consequences. 
as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. The proverb likens a fool to a dog who returns to eat his own vomit. There are actually two figures of speech going on here. The first one is a simile. I think you know what a simile is, something that is compared by like or as, like a dog. The other one is a euphemism, because the fool is referred to as a dog. It's, it's kind of making lighter. It's using more tempered language to describe something pretty bad. It's taking something naughty and making it more nice and palatable to the ears. And so a dog is used as a euphemism referred to people who are fools. For example, a euphemism would be something like this. He spins the truth. What is that saying? He's a liar. He's a liar. It's taking, taking a phrase that's kind of like lighter and not that offensive regarding somebody who's just a plain out liar. And the dog is used as a euphemism regarding wicked people or foolish people. For example, they're known as enemies of God, Psalm 22. They're known as unfaithful and deceptive prophets. They're dogs. Dogs were also a euphemism for male prostitutes in the Old Testament. And in our text, the euphemism is a dog, one who returns to his vomit, which is disgusting and gross. How much more disgusting and gross is a fool who returns or repeats his own folly of sin? Why is it second nature to the fool? No matter how grotesque or vile the sin is, the fool repeats it. Why? Why does he indulge or she indulge in sinful behavior and follow at the lust of the flesh when in fact they've experienced perilous consequences of the folly? We need to understand the nature of man and sin. Human beings are by nature attracted to sin. We're enticed by sin. We love sin by nature. It appeals to our nature. After a dog ingests food, it expels the food because there's something that didn't agree with the stomach. And I, I heard this. Some of you dog experts out there may correct me. But a dog that returns to his vomit or eats food in general goes to food and eats it based on smell. Not so much sight, but smell. So if it smells good, he's going to eat it. Sin is natural for sinful man because it smells good. It appeals to us. It is within their nature, dog's nature, to eat what smells good to them, even if it appears disgusting to us. But after knowing the way of wisdom, the fool returns to the idolatry of his heart. Again, this is idol worship. Why does the addict of any kind repeat his or her sin? 
Why does he go back to the sin that has left him desperate and without hope? Why does he think that the folly will satisfy his sense, his senses, and bring peace to his heart? The fool in his heart has misplaced worship. The fool in his heart has misplaced the worship of God for those things that appeal to the senses, to the passions of our nature. He doesn't seek the Lord and doesn't find pleasure and peace in the Lord. Not only that, but once the body, once the body becomes used to the addiction, it becomes increasingly for body and soul to overcome it. Because now the body needs it. Not only does the soul need that for, for hope and happiness and joy, but the body now needs it to survive or feel like it needs to survive. In the New Testament, the Apostle Peter references this verse. Like a dog that returns to his vomit. In chapter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, he uses this verse. In the context, Peter describes false prophets and teachers. And the works of these teachers and false prophets are heretical, destructive, and very noticeable. In both word and deed, they blaspheme God and his word, leading people astray. And Peter even provides in that chapter biblical history, Noah, righteous Noah, and righteous Lot, who lived in an unrighteous world where there was lawlessness and evil and hatred towards God. And consequently, the Lord will punish the evildoers, the wicked, the fools. And Peter says, utter darkness has been reserved for them and the fallen angels. They are folks, they are people who return and repeat their folly, doing evil. Does God have your attention? Does God have your attention? I feel like he's gotten my attention. I'm preaching to myself. What are those things in your life that you keep going back to over and over and over again? Did he pointedly, by way of a gross simile, grab your attention? Did he show you how foolish the fool really is, his characteristics, and how grotesque and destructive the folly of sin really is? The nature of the folly of the fool, like a dog. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Do you want to keep returning to the vomit or 
Or do you want God to do something about it for you? Because there's only one only hope for the fool. The only hope for the fool is Christ. You see, I've been talking about fools and their folly, but I wanted to hit close to home and personalize it. I talked about the fool as he or she or they, but am I the fool? Am I the fool, Lord? Oh, I'm quick to point out the fool, but does a finger need to be pointed toward me? Lest I think I'm so righteous in and of myself. Because if we're truly honest with ourselves, we are all born fools. Do you remember the proverb, folly is bound up in the heart of a child? Folly was bound up or may still be bound up in your heart. And it's the word and wisdom of God, by the grace of God and spirit of God, that binds your heart to Christ. You see, the front half of this sermon focused on the fool and his foolishness. It's focusing who we are. Oh, we're ending with who we are in Christ. Because on the one hand, we realize how foolish we really are by nature and how we need Jesus Christ to be our only hope in our foolishness, our unrighteousness, our sin. For we are all born in sin and therefore born fools with a natural desire to repeat our folly. In congregation of Christ, there's a reason why God calls us sheep. There's a reason why God calls us sheep, is it not? Is there not a reason? Because we wander, we go astray, we repeat the same thing over and over again. We wander and get lost without a shepherd. Recently, I received a Pinterest video. Perhaps I will have Donna send it out with a weekly email. I don't know if you saw it, but it was sent to me via text. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. But it was a shepherd pulling out a sheep from a crevice in the earth. It was stuck. It couldn't get out. And the shepherd is pulling it out. I mean, really wrestling to get this sheep out. The sheep finally comes out and does a mad dash around by the crevice, and he jumps right back into the crevice again. Hind legs flapping in the air, and the shepherd's looking like, you idiot, you fool. It's comical, but sad. The only hope for the fool is the shepherd and king, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the light of Christ to shine in our dark hearts and to reveal the folly of our sin and the foolishness of our sin. For Jesus paid the penalty for all of our follies. 
even the follies that we commit over and over and over again. By God's grace through faith in Jesus, we are converted and forgiven of our follies. And our Father in heaven does not count our folly against us. Oh, how great our folly, but oh, how great our Savior is. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Confess your follies to Jesus. He is your shepherd. He is your king. Your shepherd king who saves you and me from our follies. But that said, Jesus does not leave us in our follies. He sanctifies us. He's in the business of changing our hearts, transforming our hearts. He's in the business of transforming us to the image of the Creator, putting to death our sins and follies daily, because He who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. The true Christian in Jesus Christ, the true believer in Jesus Christ, believes on the Lord to be saved, and He is being sanctified by the Spirit of God. By their fruits you will know them. And so the Christian doesn't throw up their hands and give up. Oh, I'm going to run to this folly over and over again because I know Jesus saves me. No, we make it our business. We make it our, our delight and joy to put to death. We make it our goal to put to death that folly that we do over and over and over again. Not to earn salvation, but to glorify God and give Him praise. I belong to Jesus now. I want to live for him. By grace, I want to put this to death and put on Christ. This isn't a works righteousness. Because Paul over and over again talks about putting to death your sin. There's a responsibility on the part of the Christian to put it to death. So that we're not like a dog who returns to his vomit. It begins with our minds and hearts. Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Did you notice? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that, the reason being, by testing you will discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That you're not repeating the folly of sin. That you're not like a dog returning to his vomit. Christians have been freed by the power of sin. We are empowered by grace to to say no to sin. To say no to the pattern of repeating our folly. And Jesus frees repeating offenders so that they may know freedom from the enticement and danger of folly. When I was in an addiction ministry in New Jersey, 
can't tell you how many people would come through and say, I just need Jesus to fix me. I'm not going to do anything. Jesus, 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 just say the word and I'm, I'll be healed. Well, that's true. But there was no part on the person to say no. Say no to sin, says Paul. Say no to idolatry. Because of the Spirit who dwells within you and enables and empowers you to say no. Say no to the enticement and danger of folly. Say no to the idols of the heart, which we talked about earlier, the sexual sins, the drugs, the materialism, and the like. Is the transformative power of Christ and the gospel working in your heart? Is he putting to death sins that are committed over and over again? Friends, we need to look to Christ and his righteousness. And we need to look to him for our sanctification. Because he is our only hope. At Moody Bible Institute, there was a class on how to teach the Bible. Very basic hermeneutics class. How to prepare a Bible lesson and teach it to a class. And Carrie was in that class. I wasn't in there. And she was telling me about a student there who gave a Bible study to the class on Proverbs 26, verse 11. And to show how grotesque God describes man, the fool and his folly, he brought a Ziploc plastic bag with him and he had it hidden he had it hidden. Class didn't see it. And he closed his, sermon, his uh, Bible study by taking this Ziploc plastic bag that was filled with disgusting liquids that the class really didn't know what was in there, but it looked absolutely disgusting to the eye, grotesque to the eye, and nauseating to the nose. And he held it up now, I, I, I wanted to do this, but I, I thought that knowing myself, I would drop it on this beautiful carpet and upset our janitors. Or they may be thankful for that, I don't know. But he held it up and said, do you want to you drink this? Come on, taste it. What did he do? He took something that may have seemed abstract and he concretized it. He made you feel how grotesque sin really is and showed us, showed the class that we shouldn't be running to that. That's not good for us. We should be running to Christ. But so often we run to the bag And we get harmed. The consequences of it are detrimental to the soul. And I've said this before, and I'll close with this. It bears repeating. If there is a sin that is over and over 
and over and over again. If you feel like a dog who returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. If you feel that way and you can't get past the grip of sin in your life, if you struggle fixing your eyes on Jesus, your righteousness and sanctification, your holiness, then you need to reach out. You need to reach out to your pastor or elder or a wise man or woman in Christ. Because if you keep running and repeating, the consequences are severe. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, perhaps there are some here who repeat the folly of sin over and over again and are like the dog described in the proverb. They know Christ, they love Christ, but they desire with all their hearts to put sin to death and to put on Christ. We pray, O Lord, that you would draw them to the Lord Jesus, that their eyes would be fixed upon him, and that by the power of the Spirit and power of the Christ who frees us from our folly of sin, would truly deliver them and help them to put sin to death. Oh, Father, we know that we still sin on this side of glory in thought, word, or in deed. And we're so thankful that Jesus Christ, our Savior, for thee, all our folly of sin, we resign. For he is our gracious Redeemer, our Savior thou art. And we love thee, O Lord. Oh, Father, we pray that if there's anyone here or watching via live stream who has said in their heart that there is no God or does not have a fear of the Lord in them and does not walk in the wisdom of your word, and in the wisdom of Christ, who is the true wisdom of God. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would bring about conversion of heart. That they would see their folly for what it really is. And find forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus. And know life everlasting. And that they would learn what it means to turn from idols and turn, from the true, uh, turn to the true and living God. Oh, Father in heaven, we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.